The Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks being a restricted free agent means being at the dog park, but on a leash. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. I am so happy to be back from vacation, first of all, uh, and joined on this delightful Wednesday by my friend from NFL Network, Patrick Claibon. Welcome back to the show. Good to, good to be here in this moment where you come back from vacation. So like, f- go through the card catalog, find the least professional person that you can to have on your show <laughs> and ease your way back into work. But part of the reason why I wanted you on this week is it's insane yeah like we are in the middle of free agency taping at any moment is like trying to catch a falling knife crazy news could break while we're taping the second we're done taping which would be worse actually um but we did sort of catch the knife which actually feels like a pretty apt metaphor for what i'm about to say which is that we are recording this after aaron Rodgers announced on the pat mcafee show today that he intends to become a new york jet um the worst kept secret in the NFL for like two months now. Uh, we did briefly, Patrick and I did briefly discuss the idea of just not addressing it as a bit, but I am committed to you, my uh, listeners, and I wouldn't do that. To I did you. everything I could, guys. I, I, I tried. Uh, <laughs> I thought it would have been funny, but the, the knife has been falling like <laughs> in and then going back up and falling again. And we've been grasping at like the after image of a knife. Uh, we the the insiders are because like it, it seems like a requirement that every single show has to start with Aaron Rodgers and every single hour has to start with Aaron Rodgers and the insiders yeah. were on the verge of revolting and, and just deciding to not be at the top of the show. It's like, hey guys, what can you tell us about Aaron Rodgers? And it became like this this opening running joke. And then I just decided, you know, I was on the elliptical. Uh, I'll, I'll let the timeline tell me uh, what's happening on, on this particular podcast, and it worked out. Didn't have to didn't have to spend a lot of time. I actually thought it was possible he might not confirm anything today because it's Aaron Rodgers. And, um, you know, him saying he intends to be a Jet is not the same thing as the deal being done, obviously. Um, but the, it does give us something to talk about. I don't really, I'm not really interested in breaking down the various <laughs> um, points he made about the Packers and whatnot. I am interested in this from a football perspective. So just quickly, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some of the other big news of the day. And then I sent you a bunch of teams that have been very active in free agency that I think are very interesting. And then we'll see how much time we have. If there's any time left, we can do like a rapid fire of some of the biggest signings. There's so much to talk about. Um, But we do have to start with Rodgers. So TLDR version, he said he wants to be a Jet. Um, the, I guess that you got to back it up even further because, you know, at, over the course of the week, uh, there'd been reports about mounting interest, momentum, um, Diana Russini sent out a, a wish list of players he wanted the Jets to sign that Aaron Rodgers refuted, or he didn't, he, he notoriously, um, careful with his words, Aaron Rodgers said he, he never made a dem- list of demands, which is not the same thing as a wish list. One of those players was signed by the Jets, Alan Lazard, seemingly confirming that there's at least been discussions about it. Although um, I did see some 
insiders say the Jets would have signed him anyways, just like they would have brought on. Oh Nate yeah, Hackett for sure. Um, Nate Hackett was so hot so, coming into the offseason, just had to. So hot, had to get a piece so hot. Of- I mean, look, it worked. It worked. You get. I guess let's start here. As a Jets fan today, and put yourself in in the, that scary mindset. How are you feeling? I'm relieved that we've gotten to this point where it feels like it's absurd to say that we're relieved that somebody has made a decision regarding what they want. Like there's still some work to be done here as far as, and and this whole process has really, has been a negotiation, like accuse me of being cynical, but this, this whole thing has been a negotiation from the time that the Packers were considering what to offer Devante three years ago. Uh, This has all been a negotiation and a management of the, the relative power uh, that the sides have had. And we've gotten to this point and Aaron has decided that this is the best move for him to get what he wants. And so he's waited till today um, to say that he wants to play for the, the New York jets. And he tells everybody that it was Friday and, and now he's put the Packers and the jets in this other position. It's, it's all a negotiation to me. Uh, so yeah. if I'm a jets fan, I am happy that the negotiations have moved to this point and we're not where we were two weeks ago, but also, I don't, I don't care. Like Aaron's weird. So am I like a lot of people are weird. Like he can throw the football. He can throw the football well and he's done it. Uh, we're going to be coming up on two decades of him doing it very well at a very yeah. high level. And so, yeah, all the other stuff, all of the, the post headlines and, and the corny stuff that, that we're going to go through, that, that's all the price to pay to have a really good football player. So I'm happy. I am pleased that we're at this point. I wish we were at the other point that we will be eventually, but I'm pleased at this point. Yeah, if, from a purely football standpoint, as a Jets fan, outside of, I would argue, uh, acquiring Lamar Jackson, um, this is the best case yeah. scenario. You go from a combination of Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, and Mike White to Aaron freaking <laughs> Rodgers, who is coming off of a down season. There's a lot, I, and I think this is going to be something we'll probably break down a lot in the coming weeks. He was injured during this down season, um, but showed some signs of aging as well. All of that said, even 50% of Aaron Rodgers is better than what you've had. So, again, I, I do think that there's a lot of work to be done with New York, um, particularly concerned about that offensive line, the tackle position. But, you know, I, I guess we should acknowledge here, I, I actually think Alan Lazard fits in nicely. You know, he basically takes the place of Corey Davis, who I imagine is going to be cut from a pretty crowded wide receiver room. But as a number two behind Garrett Wilson, uh, we'll see what happens also with Elijah Moore and if he, if he gets replaced by Randall Cobb. That would not be smart. Um, you know, it, it's a good it, – the offense, the potential for the offense is great, certainly great, better than last year. I think, though, what your, your point about leverage is what fascinates me the most about this because what's become abundantly, abundantly clear is the Jets had the least leverage of everybody in this whole situation, especially as quarterbacks were, like, falling off the board and – you know, the draft trades were happening and guys are being signed and traded and all of that. The Jets had no other options. They had completely run out of options. And so that meant two parties had leverage over them, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Rodgers' leverage is now pretty much gone because he is committed to becoming a New York Jet. I mean, you know, I guess he could always back out, but or he could retire as he uh, go back into the darkness affirming. and have the darkness augment his decision making yet again because he went from 90 10 to i don't know that's what, the, that's, what the, that's what the tweet said 90 percent retired um so roger's leverage manifests itself in the not demand list or whatever whatever but now 
all of the leverage lies, I think, with the Green Bay Packers. And that's the next phase of all of this. And it gets really interesting because the Packers have made it very, very obvious they are donezo. This was like the number one thing you heard at the Combine a couple weeks ago is people being like, yo, the Packers are like, that they are ready for the Jordan Love era to begin. So then, Patrick, for the Packers, the question becomes, okay, like, what, what do you want? Uh, you know, what does it mean to like do right by a franchise legend? I would argue they already did right by him when they gave him a zillion dollars a couple years ago. Um, how how far are they willing to take this in terms of getting something back for him? I don't know, but I think it's going to be very and, interesting. And, and Tom Pelissero was reporting earlier this week that they haven't actually figured out a framework. I, I would hope that there was at least been some discussions, right, with regards to what percentage you're paying and what the round pick looks like and how those things, hopefully they've at least had those kind of discussions because like if, if we're starting at zero right now, like today on March 15th, that would seem like a, a kind of failure on, on both parts uh, to at least entertain that. I, I do know like it's going to be, it's going to be north of $70 million over the next couple of years. Yeah. And so that, is is that the is that the the ultimate price? Or are we just saying, oh yeah, let's uh, let's do a conditional fifth, and you guys don't have to pay them? Like, yes. hopefully they have. Something. That's well, that's a great. Even with a post June first cut, this is still a mammoth dead cap hit for Green Bay, right? And um, they're 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 not eating any salary, like so so. But even so, they are like I, they're already they've taken on so much in addition to the emotional labor of the last couple of years, I imagine people in the building would argue. So I do think, and by the way, they're in no hurry here. They have a quarterback um, who they plan on, by all accounts, rolling with next oh, season. Oh, God, I hope so. The Jets are the desperate party here. So I, at minimum, I feel like they're going to get a first back. I would be surprised if not, because they have them right where they want the, them. They and Rogers helped today. I, I think that the headline on the, I, I guess if we made this like a message board uh, trade offer, they should take a WFAN tweet that I saw two days ago. It was it was a thank you to Mike White, and he had angel wings. Oh yeah, I saw this. It looked like a it looked like a funeral T-shirt. It's like that's how they feel about uh, Mike White. How do y'all feel about this guy? This is what you need. Uh, like you're gonna take whatever we want you to take. They've got them. Yeah. 100%. Yes. Yes. And, and it, you are so desperate. In a weird way, it's yeah. Aaron's final gift to Green Bay. Like he, he he's yeah. he's excoriating them and talking about how all the reasons he's not mad, which confirmed that he is mad and, and doing all of these other things. But he, he's given them an incredible gift in this moment. So you're welcome. Yeah, we'll see how long that takes to play out. Um, and then, you know, I do want to talk about what the future of the Packers looks like with Love, who we got, you know, a little bit glimpse, a glimpse of actually for the first time, really, not the first time, but a full glimpse of last year. Um, but that's that's the state of play right now. Aaron Rodgers is more likely than not going to be a New York Jet. He is repeating history in, in many <laughs> ways that is incredibly fascinating. This is one of the more interesting chapters in modern NFL history. Um one chapter closes, another chapter begins. I did, by the way, I, while we're talking about Twitter, I did like, I, I think it was you who tweeted this. Everybody keeps talking about the New York media as though like literally everyone on earth, on earth isn't constantly tweeting um, jokes and comments about Aaron Rodgers all the I, time. I don't, I, I'm still trying to figure this thing out. Like 
we're, we're going to be in New York media. like year 15 of my career. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's different. It's the New York media. It's because the, the pH of the water, I guess, is like the pizza and the bagels or something. I don't know. I, I, maybe. Mike Francesca, man, that's going to really. You, you thought Aaron <laughs> Rodgers was getting it hard before. Like once he gets. Now people are going to pay attention to Aaron Rodgers. I I don't get it. I've never done it. We're going to actually talk about him now. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to talk about him so much this year. Okay. Um, Before we get to the teams, I do want to talk about, like, some of the other big news that broke today. A couple quarterbacks landed with new homes. Pretty interesting, I think. Both – well, I haven't seen – we saw the Baker Mayfield contracts cheap. So so we'll start there. Baker Mayfield goes to the Bucks. Um, Jacoby Brissett, who was also linked to the Bucks, goes to Washington. Which of these do you like more? Well, if if you were fortunate enough uh, to watch every single game and watch uh, Jacoby Brissett before he was wrongfully put on My the guy. bench uh, versus watching Baker Mayfield, oh. I, I think it's a it's a pretty uh, simple uh, answer here. This this was last year was full on maximum J- J- Jacoby, and I wanted more. I wanted because there was a discussion <laughs> about oh well. You know, the 49ers need a quarterback. They should go get Baker Mayfield. I'm like, free Jacoby. Like, let's get Jacoby somewhere where we can get him in an offense. And so, like, yeah, it's the the numbers are weird to me. Uh, I feel like like watching Darnold and Jameis sign for around four, like five million dollars. I felt like Baker would be there. Eight seems like a lot to me, but I'm I'm a little bit lower on Baker. I, I love Jacoby in Washington with Eric B. And I, and I feel like if I'm Sam Howell, it's like, oh, wait, wait a second. Like, I thought. Yeah. I thought this was what you guys wanted, but but here comes this guy. He's he's a little too good to, you know, so. This was one of my favorite things last year is how the Browns were better with <laughs> the Browns fans. Don't be mad at me. It's just they know. true. We'll see what happens. They, they know. <laughs> they do know. The people of the team know. Um, maybe that'll change next year. I'm just talking about last year. It's just a statement mm-hmm. of fact. Uh, and I will say, by the way, I was wrong. I, I, Jacoby was better than I thought he would be last year. I thought it was his best year as a pro. Um, the defense let him down frequently in games. He is, I, 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 he played like an above average starter, honestly. I think he finished like seventh in DVOA. I pulled it recently, but a lot of his stats were pretty good. Um, you know, it wasn't perfect, obviously, but for Washington, I think Washington and Tampa are both kind of in interesting positions because they're teams that are like, too good to tank, right. um, but also didn't have a clear path to a quarterback. Slightly different because Washington, I think we actually discussed, we had Ron Rivera on our set while we were talking about this, which was pretty funny. But um, at the combine, we were talking about them as being, if you were choosing a team picking in the you know teens, 20s, whatever, who might make a dramatic jump up to get a quarterback, they were a team that came to mind because they're actually not bad like the roster is pretty solid um i really like the skill players the defense really improved uh down the stretch um you know made some changes on the offensive line i think that's probably something that they'll target in the draft this year but rivera said you know we're giving sam a chance and i think that's fine like sam howell was much better than where he was drafted he was coming off of a really terrible situation unc his final year i thought he looked decent in his outing at the end. But I also think Patrick, if they actually let this be a true quarterback competition between him and Brissett, and that's always an open question right now, it is Jacoby's job. Yeah. It, and it, it would seem to be rather obvious. Um, and so it gives Sam Howell a chance. Um, I, I don't think either of these guys are going to fall apart 
um, because they, they had the quarterback last year where the idea was if, if everybody wasn't nice to him, uh, that somehow he wouldn't be as good of a football player, which is which is weird uh, to me. And we'll see. That's what I, that's the big free agency move that I would like to see. Uh, oh, yeah, he's still be a fun thing. It's still available if, if anybody he who shall not be named wants to, yeah. wants to go snag him. But by the way, did, did when you saw did you see uh, Frank Reich at the combine? He looked amazing, yeah. and I was like, dude, a few months away from yeah, just <laughs> the you you see the like the stress of the job and and the lack of success and then you just take a little time off if you're mike mccarthy you he who shall not be named once he was away from him for months, mike mccarthy took time like, off oh, and this. became a computer and now he's going to be calling plays again so it's um everything everything works out just take a little time away from the game i'm, I'm looking forward to some vacation myself i'll come back a new guy i'll be doing math and stuff um the bucks confuse me a little bit though because so they they've brought a bunch of guys back. I actually wanted to talk about one of the signings later, but we can hit it now. I, Jamel mm-hmm. Dean bringing back reasonable contract, very good corner, although weirdly didn't play in their playoff game, and it was a little bit murky what was going on with that. And he had like an injury, but it was he injured. I don't know. So they bring him back. They bring in Levante David on a one year. They're, they're acting like a team that still wants to compete, and their quarterback is Baker Mayfield or Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask. So. I don't know exactly what they're like Washington. I'm like, okay, you're like, let's <laughs> give the young guy a shot. Let's bring in a competent guy. If it doesn't work, we'll move on next year, whatever. Tampa, I don't really get. I don't really know what they're a proposition is. for you, Mina. They have a first round pick in 2023 and 2024. What say you uh, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers say send Lamar an offer sheet that says four years, uh, $180 million, and then. Maybe we feel different about the, you're shaking your head at me. No. I mean, I, I've lost hope <laughs> that any team is going to be rational about this. The team that I think should do it, the one I, we talked about this in Around the Horn today, is Indianapolis. Yes. But seems like the obvious one. But yeah, I mean, Tampa was in a tough spot. I guess I should acknowledge that because of all the decisions they made with Brady. They were super capped out. Like, you know, they were not picking high. So it was a very challenging situation to be in vis-a-vis getting a quarterback. I think, like, the pieces are still there. And you don't, like, if, if we're not signaling to other teams that Mike Evans is a piece that's available, if the, if the Buccaneers truly are, are looking at this roster and saying, hey, we're looking at the car edition Saints, the new look Panthers with a with the rookie quarterback, you know, going in, the Falcons with Desmond Ritter. Maybe why not? Why not? We still have some pieces from the Super Bowl runs. Why? And which yeah. I am a fan of. I, I I don't want teams to to cash in on an entire season. I don't think it helps the league. I don't think it helps me. Like watching and covering all these games. I, I I'm okay with trying every like everybody go full Saints. Like why not? Like what's the harm in that? Well. Let's take the quarterbacks out of it. The Bucks, like pure. Sorry, I'm opening my text in case any news breaks. I just saw. I got a bunch. I just want to make sure we don't miss anything. Yeah, I saw a few coming. The Bucks roster is still good. Yeah. So I guess that's, and I guess their feeling is like, oh, maybe we can get the upside of Baker. Okay, Jeremy Fowler just tweeted, the Ravens have been involved in the free agent quarterback market looking into options such as Baker Mayfield and Jacoby Brissett. They're looking for flexibility. I'm, I'm not going to engage with this. Um, <laughs> I'm opting out. Um, yeah, the roster's still good. So I guess their feeling is like, hey, maybe we can capture 
the you know we can get the Baker swing back. I don't I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Or or they you know the, the folks in Tampa picked up on Baltimore's interest and they they got a nice trade piece for after this this window closes. Oh yeah, there you go. I, I, Connecting the dots. Yeah, yeah. I, we, we hear you like this Baker Mayfield guy. So here here How he is. Like him, but like at eight million dollars, it's, it's tough to um okay. to think of like the yeah. Bucks being there in the division, watching Baker go one and five for the Carolina Panthers and like being like, yeah, this is the guy. That's it. That's the thing too. Yeah. He was so bad in Carolina. He had a couple good games with the Rams, but you know, I I don't know, man. Um, Tough situation though. You know, again, it's a couple of big moves in the NFC East. I want to hit the Cowboys. I don't even think there's too much talk about this. Finally cut ties with Ezekiel Elliott who had a $16.7 million cap hit this year by cutting him. That's spread out. They will get $11 million in cap relief this year, post-June 1st. Tony Pollard, they franchise-tagged, brought him back. Feels like, you know, the end of um, an era, I guess. I don't know if this necessarily means that Jerry and Stephen Jones are actually going to make smart decisions going forward or anything like that, but... um, this has kind of felt inevitable for a while in Dallas. Yeah, this is this has been the albatross, um, especially through this period where you really had, uh, you had two solid years where they could really take a shot at things and constantly being hamstrung by this. So we we talked about Jacoby's season in Cleveland and how big of a part of that Amari Cooper was and what what could have been in Dallas, but ultimately that's not Zeke's fault because Dallas wound up with twenty million dollars in cap space anyway. They could have kept Amari yeah. last year. That's also uh, on, on the leadership as well. But it's it's been it's been hamstringing them. Uh, Jerry clearly loves him. He, he said so in the statement uh, today. And maybe he'll maybe he'll come back at a different number. But it, it does feel like something has ended. This feels like the literal manifestation of the jealous girlfriend meme, where Jerry Jones is the guy. Ezekiel Elliott is his girlfriend, and Bijan Robinson is the girl in the red dress. I mean, I cannot see Bijan, who hometown running back, falling past Dallas. It just feels inevitable unless someone takes him first. I, I like that. I, I like that a lot. It it does. It would hurt to, because we've been waiting, especially those of us in the fantasy community. Like, give me maximum Tony. And the idea that we would finally be close to that and not getting it is slightly frustrating. But I would, I would. I still know. It would be. I mean, they do need to draft a running back. You know, bring back Pollard off the injury on the tag. They're, they're, they do need depth. Um, we can hit this here too, though. I, I did love this. Is probably one of my favorite moves in free agency: the acquisition of Stephon Gilmore. Um, minimal. I forget. It was like a late round draft pick. He's on a super cheap deal this year. Um, perfect fit scheme wise for a Dan Quinn defense that plays a ton of man coverage and uses a ton of disguise. Gilmore isn't, you know, peak New England Gilmore, but he is still a very, very good and very, very smart and very, very experienced press man corner. So it just seems like, especially for a team where the secondary, the lack of depth was such a problem for them down the stretch last year. This feels like a really smart. You could make a case. It was the problem. Right. And, and so now, yeah. um, you're capable. The ability to have that pass rush, um, I, I think it it extends guys a little bit. Maybe that's why we're not seeing the market for for Slay that we thought we might be seeing at, at 32 years old, considering that Philly was able to rush the passer like that as well uh, a season ago. 
but I, I, I do love the move. Um, it also makes me think back when, because we just finished talking about Zeke, how the Cowboys could have taken Jalen Ramsey in that draft, but instead mm. took Zeke. And like, it's one of those butterfly effect type situations that I'm playing with in my head. Now. Ramsey told me he would never be a Cowboy because he was so mad about that. And then his agent was like, please don't put that in the article. <laughs> you might be a Cowboy at some point. I was like, eh. um, we're talking about him actually in a second. Um, well, speaking of cornerbacks, another big move, well, not big move, but a report that the Eagles going to part ways with Darius Slay. Um, we were talking about this a little bit before you mentioned that Slay could just come back. Yeah. They did, uh, give James Bradbury three year deal comes in cheaper than what they would pay slay. Um, this is, a, you know, a team, Super Bowl team that really did, I don't want to say they went all in last year, but they definitely had some cap issues. Guys have left in free agency. Um, a ton of guys on defense have left. Uh, so cornerback remains a need. It's one that I expect them to draft. But to your point, it would also make sense for them to try to bring him back. Yeah, it's especially considering that CJGJ is out there as well. And we don't, it's, yeah. it's, it's a weird question. It makes me think back to the Eric Reed days. And it's like, for some reason, safety, mm. the safety market just like falls off. And it's like, well, what's, yeah. what's happening here? But like, there were such good players in the secondary, again, for a team that was getting more pressures, like before Dallas came on towards the end of the season, like it wasn't even close. It was just the Eagles. Like, and, and, and then that was it. Um, I, I, I would like to see him back. Uh, I understand uh, Slay coming off a huge year, watching you know the guy across from him get paid and saying, "Hey, I would like to see what the circumstances are." If if nobody if no, if, if nobody's really moving like that, I, I could see him back in Philly. One more uh, news today that I do think is pretty big that I forgot to hit: uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, three-year. It was about $33 million-ish deal with the Patriots. Basically, costs the same yeah, as Jacoby Myers. Same. So this is kind of yeah. interesting. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Both, I think, reasonable contracts. We're going to talk about Vegas in a second. This is interesting because basically what it means that New England was like, yeah, we think you're better than Jacoby, right? Because when you, when you have these salaries, yeah. it's like, okay, same deal. Um, do you think he's better? Than Jacoby, I guess I'll start yeah. there. Or better for New England, which might be more. I, I think he's better for what New England is asking uh, him to do, uh, considering cultural fit. The, yeah, the... great cultural fit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the, the, the Patriot way. He's gonna he's gonna delete his accounts and he's gonna be like, I am business. Bill Belichick's, you know, doing. I, I, I don't think, know what a TikTok dance it, is. That's yeah. one of my favorite bits. Like, oh, sorry to the video Bill audience. Bill Belichick to watch knows that. what TikTok is. Like, I think like Bill wants to be like, Tick oh, face. I'm all. I'm so detached from the world. That's oh yeah, fake fake tech like, luddite Bill yeah, Belichick. No. He, he's got an account. He scrolls mindlessly like all of us. He probably spends six hours a night on it, and he and that's the reason for the Patriots' recent collapse. Um, but your TikToks, great. <laughs> oh well, thank Everybody you. Yours is as well. My favorite TikToks. Right. I'm trying to get get up. But it's it. it's like I think that that's the quintessential. Like, that's the clearest example. Like none of this stuff actually matters. Like Bill doesn't care. Uh, he sees a. Large yeah. wide receiver, solid blocker off the edge, uh, guy who knows where he's going to be, uh, good feet. He's not what we thought he was when when AB was was nuking the planet, uh, but yeah. but he's still he's still a serviceable football player who has a ring now. Like it, it's not. A problem. But I do think, like for me personally, um, I think Jacoby is a better separator, and that's what that's what I would value. Clearly, the Patriots don't necessarily yeah. value that. So. I think that's a great point because I think 
I guess that's why, you know, my question was, I actually feel like it really, it's, it's kind of those BS questions where the answer is it depends mm -hmm. if you're comparing these players. Um, they have, in some ways they feel a similar role in the offense, but they have different strengths. I do think Jacoby is a better separator. Juju is tougher, contested catch guy. He can block. He can do something that Jacoby was not super great at, which is get more yards after the catch. I think that's something New England really wanted from the position. Wants. We know they want that from the slot role. It's literally been the signature of that role. In, in And I think that was always the thing with Jacoby. It was like, he is a great number two or three, depending on how good your receiver core is, who was forced to kind of be the number one in that offense. And it was never the right, exact right fit for what New England wants to do. Now he goes to Vegas, who I actually want to start off by talking about. Um, so Juju, it makes a ton of sense. I do say, do think, however, their work at wide receiver cannot be done no. here. They still need a true X receiver in this. And offense. there's no way to really look at the 2022 Patriots who at a certain point in the season had, had attempted 10 passes in the end zone and only completed one of them. And that was late in the season. Like yeah. there were so many offensive problems under the Matt Patricia version of the Patriots offense where Mac Jones is, is beside himself on the sideline the whole time. It, it really is tough to evaluate, also tough to watch. But I, I don't know that we got anything from that. And maybe that's why Jacoby Myers is, is looking to get into another version of the similar offense to kind of show the league like, hey, I'm capable of doing this. Uh, if given the opportunity. Speaking of the Patriot way and Jacoby, let's talk about the Raiders. Let's talk about both sides of the Darren Waller trade, which is a huge trade, but wasn't a huge trade. It ended up being only for a third rounder, which, um, you know, reflects two things. I think one, the fact that Darren Waller has battled injuries now for the last couple of seasons and two, the fact that he seems to absolutely hate Josh McDaniels. <laughs> uh, oh my God. Yes, that gave me an excuse to repost a clip that I will never not post when given the chance, which is Kelsey Plum throwing the t shirt into like the upper deck of an arena. Every time I watch that, I am startled anew. Like you watch and you're like, wow, our throwing motion is really great. Wow, that thing is going. It's still going, it is still going. <laughs> Oh my God. And of course, um, immediately triggers a round of, well, she's thrown farther than there Derek is. Carr has ever thrown the ball. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, but, so the Raiders side of it, the Raiders have been very active in free agency. They did sign Jacoby Myers. I guess I just start by saying they signed Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, three year, $67.5 million contract, 34 guaranteed. So it's not prohibitive for them to get out of it or to draft a quarterback either this year or next year, although they're picking seven and, uh, Schefter said on our show, they tried to move up and the Panthers beat them, which they beat everybody. So sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and then they, 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 I, you know, I like, they signed Marcus Epps to safety out of Philadelphia. It's been a huge issue for them, obviously with Abram and play can play next to Merrick, but I want to talk about the offense because it really feels like, okay, these moves together, bringing in Jimmy, bringing in Jacoby, sending away Darren Waller. Josh McDaniels like has a vision for this offense that he did not clearly production wise get to fulfill last year. Do you think these moves as a collective make sense? 
they make sense looking in from the standpoint of Josh McDaniels perpetually, even though he says, I'm not Bill, I'll never be Bill, like trying to recreate the Patriots. It, it's, it's like, oh, yeah, also brought back Jakob Johnson. So, like yeah. at some point, you have <laughs> to, wrong. you have to go outside of, of your comfort zone a little bit and, and find yeah. uh, some new blood to work in, uh, to fill in some, some lapses. So it makes sense from that standpoint. I know Waller had been hurt. Uh, but the Giants are perfectly fine. I, I think plenty of teams are, for, and, and the rest of the AFC West is going to be fine with Darren Waller not in Las Vegas as well. Um, it seems weird that they that they could like they they sign into an extension, and then like immediately yeah. there's discussion about him being a trade piece, and there's the the combine and the wedding situation, and Kelsey is taking shots, and it's. We should t- tell people what happened. I guess apparently Josh McDaniels like leaked the news inadvertently that he was getting married to Kelsey Plum and then there was supposed to be a secret. I will say, Josh McDaniels, I don't think knew that it was a secret. I do think, however, because he has a lot of enemies, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt and like there's, you know, whatever. Clearly, like some players don't like him, but I can't imagine he was like, oh, I'm going to oh, get yeah. him by leaking the news of his wedding. We'll show him. Come by. It's just, but it, like these circumstances <laughs> seem to keep happening, right? Yeah. And I, I ultimately the Raiders are going to be an improved team uh, because I, I think like the collective shared vision of everybody in Las Vegas, uh, hopefully Devante included, um, is, is going to be is going to work out. Uh, everybody that's there is, yeah. is going to want to be there and the team is going to want those people there. Uh, but from the outside looking in, it's, it's kind of hard to grasp what the actual plan is when they continue to make plans with certain players like the car extension wasn't that long ago either. And then everything yeah. suddenly changes. Like at, at some point the mirror appears and, and you have to, you have to look at what's in there. It's tricky because I think you, you look at a division where you're with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. I don't know why I started with Herbert over Mahomes. By the way. And, <laughs> People uh, are writing right now. <laughs> I mean, <a> <laughs> um, some dolphins. <laughs> um, and it's like no, you know, the, the, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. We're not gonna, we're not gonna compete with them. And I think that's true. But I also think probably the goal here isn't to be better than those teams. It's to be competent right. next year as you continue to pursue the quarterback who gives you that upside. And I will say this: I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Derek Carr in a vacuum, but I think he will be better at executing the Josh McDaniels yes. offense than Derek Carr. Jimmy Garoppolo is, and this is why Kyle Shanahan loved him so much, um, a guy who was perfectly content to sit in a mech suit and operate it and pull the levers. <laughs> and that is what I think both of those coaches want. I am very curious, however, to see how all these wide receivers fit together. Because, so, so actually, you know, obviously Adams is number one, and then you've got Kobe, and then you have Hunter Renfro, and they could be on the field at the same time, but... Is that the optimal use of this offense? I don't know. I think there's going to be probably trade rumors with Renfro because of it, which is wild considering that a year ago we were talking about the big three of Adams, Renfro, and Waller. Yeah, and I, of course, like, the comparison is is pointless, but because it's me, I'm, I'll make it. Like, we saw Tyreek going to Miami, and it's like, aha, all slots, but then, like, they set the world on fire. But Jalen yeah, Waddle and, and Tyreek are, are very – they're both unique, and together they're even more so unique. Um, I, I don't know necessarily where we can do that with Hunter Renfro and Jacoby Myers. I think you just, you just did the ultimate great value comparison there. <laughs> that's, a, 
But it, no disrespect. No, zero disrespect. I shop at Walmart like all the time. I have several great value products, including the great value flaxseed that I put in my cereal. But it's if that's if that's the the vision uh, for for both of them. I, I don't I don't see why. Like Greg Rosenthal said yesterday on the show, it's like Josh McDaniels wants to have all slots on his. So maybe there's a maybe there's a trade for the all slot. Yeah, offense. Maybe there's a Devonte trade, and we're going to get another slot uh, to come in there. I, I, it. I think we could just conceptualize these things, but until they, they make some more moves, yeah. I feel like they, they can't be done. And maybe, as you said, uh, that's it for Renfro. And it'll be whatever former Patriot, uh, former Texan, former uh, Belichick tree guy you want to put in there. It feels like given the wide receiver market team that could have traded Adams, something crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that would have to entail like saying, all right, we're not going to be good. We're, we're, this is, but that's not what they're doing. Um, on the other side of that, I, I absolutely love the Giants going out and getting Darren Waller. Um, the Giants needed guys who can catch the football, and that does not have to be. I mean, Darren Waller is basically—he's kind of a wide receiver, anyways. Obviously, you know, um, it's kind of like I talked about this with the Bears and DJ Moore because it's so rough out there. There's so few good options. I actually think the idea of like New York saying our best option is a tight end who's making less than top end receivers would make even you know second tier i think darren waller's barely making more than like jacoby myers i think that's really really smart uh this is a new york offense that was good with tight ends on the field last year i actually really like daniel bellinger it's an offense that didn't really push the ball downfield that much last year but having a guy who who's like truly dynamic in Waller, I think is a home run for them at a cost that I was pretty surprised by. I thought, it was especially the, considering the time that they were able to make the trade uh, before the league year had even begun, uh, and so you're, yeah. you're able to go get a guy who, yeah, the, again, there there had been the injuries there as this phone falls off of this desk. Apologies for that. <laughs> uh, I mean, one of these pods, and now it's talking to me. Anyway, um, they they had they make this move at a time where the wide receiver market clearly. Um, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to make some offers, be aggressive with some guys. And so you just fulfill that pass catcher need. Like, like who cares um, what he's listed yes. at? Because, um, you know, Hodgkins, Hodgins come out, comes on late. Uh, Bellinger had the, the scary eye injury, and you really saw oh. the, the offense kind of fall off uh, when he was not there. And so they, they, they add not just talent but depth uh, at the position. You kind of get the feeling um, they're going to have a similar offensive idea where it's like, Really heavy on Saquon. Uh, hopefully Saquon gets paid, considering uh, how much this offense he's going to carry. Um, but it's uh, you see the vision, and, and at least unlike especially the team that we just talked about, it there's a cohesive idea for what they want to do on offense, which is something that's great for Agree. us to look at. Yeah, it just seems like, oh, okay, let's make a better version of last year. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Last year we improved yeah. a lot. You know, makes sense. All right, let's take a quick break um, and then start off by talking about a team that's been extremely active thus far, the Chicago Bears. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. 
Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Show. M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. Building the perfect same-game parlay can be time-consuming, but with Quick Picks, the Caesars Sportsbook app does the work for you. Quick Picks are pre-built same-game parlays that turn today's biggest headlines, storylines, and games into bets. They're quick and easy to use, and you can't miss them. They're right on the home screen of your Caesars Sportsbook app. Give them a try, and if you haven't downloaded the app yet, register using code OMAHAFULL, and then place your first bet. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get your stake up to $1,250 back as a bet credit. If you have a gambling problem in Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed to Horseshoe, Bossier, City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, which is 1-800-426-2537. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. Did I talk about the Bears trade on this podcast? Oh, no, this is when I was on vacation. Anyways, I love it. Um, <laughs> I mean, there'll be plenty of time to talk about that. I loved it because they got DJ Moore. You know, we talked about um, the lack of wide receivers. And, but the Bears still, even after, you know, they, they had a ton of cap space, which I think impacted their approach to, well, I know it impacted because they spent a lot of money, but you have to spend a lot of money when you have a lot of space. And they did. And they spent a lot of money early. And they did in ways that I have somewhat mixed feelings about. Um, yeah, I do. So they, there's some you know signings on the margins. You're bringing Nate Davis, guard from Tennessee, interior offensive line, big issue. Demarcus Walker, pass rusher out of, from the Titans, inside-out versatility. I actually really liked that signing. wasn't a lot of money. But the big marquee signing, it, it was a pair of signings. They went out and they signed two linebackers, T.J. Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds. It's very interesting, and I've 
been thinking about this a lot over the last couple of days. This is so Edmonds is one of the splashiest signings in free agency thus far. Four years, seventy-two million dollars, um, fifty fully guaranteed, which I believe is more than Roquan got from mm-hmm. Baltimore. Though Roquan got more total money. Um, so, but naturally, because the Bears traded Roquan, um, it's hard to not look at these signings and kind of compare them. And and it's tricky, Patrick, because. It's not a, a direct comparison. You're not comparing Tremaine Edmonds to Roquan. You're saying they got a couple of players. They got the draft picks out of it. I think that's the one they used for Claypool. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> but Roquan Smith is a better player. So yes. in, in my estimation. So how do you feel about the Bears going out and getting these, spending so much money on two linebackers? I, I think maybe it's, it's acknowledging, right, um, that sunk cost is a logical fallacy. There's nothing that we can do to go back and remaneuver the Claypool trade or even the, the circumstances sur- surrounding the Roquan's departure and, and that and that trade. It's um they have a positional need. Uh they they went about addressing it. Um and perhaps I'm making excuses uh for for the Chicago Bears here, but it's it would be worse to to go super cheap at linebacker considering what happened towards the end of last season uh after the Roquan trade. And as if to say, like, ah, well, all right, wait, this is it. We're we're just gonna go. We're not even gonna have linebackers on the field. We're just just gonna throw some some extra <laughs> safeties out there. We're gonna line up uh, with six defensive linemen. And so, like, I think that would be worse. Um, I see what you're saying in terms of comparing the players and the deal. And it's like maybe we're getting mixed messages here uh, as far as what 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 the team wants to do on defense. And it also might have just been about. The particular relationships with Roquan. I think that is also maybe that's, I should, that's ultimately what it has to be acknowledged. Doing. There was yeah. some bad. I know Bad Blood might be misstating it, but it did feel like that relationship had come to an end. Yeah. Um, Ollie Connolly, who's sometimes on this podcast, has a great Substack called the Read Optional. Wrote about these two players, and I thought he made some really interesting points about the fit in Ibrufus's defense. Um, you know, Roquan his great strength that you really saw on display in Baltimore is his versatility. Right. The fact that on one down he can, you know, rush the passer or simulate a pressure on the next, he can play tight man coverage up to scene. Like he is, he is all over the field. Whereas Eberflus, um, Ollie wrote about this really wanted like a tall, athletic, long <laughs> linebacker to play a lot of zone. Mm-hmm. And Tremaine Edmonds fits that bill and is coming off of, of course, his best season as a pro. You can view that as, um, I think, in two ways. You can say, well, he was like kind of up and down for three years and then was like awesome last year, and now you're making him the highest-paid linebacker. Or you can say this is a, a guy who came into the league, his first-round draft pick, as you know, all potential, and he's only I think twenty four. Yeah, just twenty four now. Because yeah, he was like nineteen for. <laughs> so Dallas, yeah, right. So no, no, no. Uh, Chicago is clearly saying we think he's an ascendant player. We want to grow with him. He got so much better in coverage last year. We're gonna pair him, by the way, with T.J. Edwards, who was super solid for Philadelphia. Um, and so I, I guess I want to say I don't like. I didn't hate it. I was just like, hmm, this is it's a little bit of a risk here, especially when you view it holistically but um they did have a lot of money to spend which i think factored into it as well yeah it was it was the need the team needs that that was the conversation was yeah. yes um just everywhere the the entire roster and so they uh 
They get Demarcus Walker in, uh, who I think could be one of the sneaky moves uh, yeah. in, as far as like we've seen that. thus far in free agency. And the ability to get DJ Moore in that trade just turned the, the trade opportunity into into something else entirely. Uh, but the, the defense was a, a major issue. Skill was a major issues everywhere. So spend the money. Like, I am as, as long as you got talent on the roster, go for it. Just just go do it. As far as I'm concerned, generally very pleased with <laughs> what the Bears have done. Like I said, I didn't really give Zelan a chance to talk about this trade, but you know, as a show of confidence in Justin Fields, and perhaps more importantly, uh, giving yourself a better chance to truly evaluate him, I was pretty appreciative of it. And, and I don't think their work is done yet. Um, you know, I think they're. I wouldn't be surprised if they use that pick nine on like an offensive tackle, um, but they're still there's still pieces to be added on that side of the ball. So I'm excited to see what they do. Um, another team I wanted to talk about is the Miami Dolphins team that uh, picked up to us with your option. Speaking of votes of confidence and then went out. And I think I have absolutely loved what they have done this off season thus far. Um, the first move really for one of the first big moves generally Trading for Jalen Ramsey, a third-round pick, and poor Hunter Long, who oh. <laughs> he didn't ask for any of this. No, he didn't. But became a bit of a punchline. <laughs> um, so we can talk about the other things they do, but I feel like we got to start there. I, I, universally, people were like, that's it? And, and people say that, knowing that Jalen Ramsey is not coming off of a great season by his standards. But for a player who... Still flash top end play, still so disruptive, still so smart to give up that little for him. Obviously, they had to pay him some money, and I think that's part of the reason why he's gone and why he ended up there. It feels like a pretty big coup for Vic Fangio, their new defensive coordinator. And, and Mina, it's not that much more money. And it, yeah. it, in terms of the commitment, it's it's not there either. Uh, we're just playing through 2024, and so it's kind of the – the official signal uh, as it was for the Rams like okay yeah this is it we're going to try to win a Super Bowl uh, we're going to trade for Jalen Ramsey and so now that you, you just transfer that to Miami in another spot which we were waiting uh, we've been waiting for some time for the official designation to come if Jalen is a safety and the Dolphins communications had uh, S in there at some point did it I like, didn't see yeah. that <laughs> I forget if it, if it was an official like email or if it was in one of the tweets or graphics and, and so it's like, okay, yeah, this is this is where Jalen is going to be because at a certain point, like, you can't be that big and move that way and play and play on the edge at all times. And Jalen had played uh, everywhere on the field. Uh, Raheem had moved him around a whole lot. Yes. And and so he's he's going to be valuable no matter what. And, and of course he's going to take reps at corner. Uh, but this just, as you said, it gives Vic wow. that flexibility to do almost anything with one and of the better players in the NFL. And because we talk about him so much, like whenever. Like T. Higgins pushes him in the Super Bowl, people are like, "Oh, there's toast. This guy's getting burned." Like yeah. it's, that's not happening all the time, he's folks. An easy target for uh, that, that's that's really interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. The versatility I think is what makes him such a good fit for this defense because Vic Fangio, you know, the things we know, you know, he is going to prioritize stopping the pass over stopping the run. You're going to get a light blot of light boxes. You're not going to blitz very much. And then on the back end, you know, I think we he's been kind of kind of become associated with those two high shells, but really his defenses give you throw so many looks and so much disguise at you. And so having a player who's kind of 
like a chess piece in Ramsey. And, and like you said, we did see him used that way in, in, in LA, not last year, but the, during the Super Bowl run, they would constantly move him inside when they were playing man um, in the slot. I, we'll see about that, but I think it's going to be very matchup dependent, but it's just another piece for him. And then they go out and they sign David Long Jr., who I think is probably like NFL Twitter's favorite player <laughs> because he's like one of those guys who everybody knows is good but isn't famous and they signed him to a two-year 11 million dollar deal which i think reflects injury status but still a very very talented off the ball linebacker tennessee they go they bring in their running backs uh, raheem Mostert, jeff wilson back on super reasonable contracts and then they go out and i i think this is worth mentioning they signed mike white uh from the jets to your deal I thought that was a really good signing. You know, this is a tenuous quarterback situation in Miami given Tua's injury history. And White, I think, for an ac- an offense that uses a lot of play action, very timing-based, you know, he's not going to – he's not a creative quarterback. But I thought that was a really smart signing. Yeah, we had, I think, 22 franchises that had to play their backup quarterbacks extensively. Like, it, it's a it's a, it's a a league-wide thing at, at this point, especially with the, the greater focus on, on how we manage brain injuries. Uh specifically because of the circumstances that yeah. Tua and the Dolphins went through. Um, we're we're going to see these guys play. So so why not get, bring New York's angel of Mike White uh, in <laughs> and, and just have him there just to get – but again, Tua's going to play all 17 games. Do not want to see him lying motionless, motionless on the ground ever again. Um, and we're going to have a healthy Tua Tungavaloa and not have to worry. And, and Mike White is just going to have to live forever in the hearts and minds of Jets fans. Can I force you into a hot take right now? <laughs> Let's go for it. Break this out for social. Uh, assuming, of course, that Aaron Rodgers becomes a New York Jet, how would you rank the AFC East at the moment? I would go Aaron Rodgers, Jets, uh, number one, over the resurgent Miami Dolphins. Yes, that that is that's the reaction. It's on because the Jets were uh, they were so you're putting the Bills at three. I, I am. I'm putting the bills at three. The departures, Mina. It, it feels like it's like what's going on. I, I, I'm putting the bills at three. I'm putting the bills at three because you asked for a hot take, Mina Kimes. And that so is this is absolute searing I, as I can get. Bills fans, I do not agree. Don't get mad. <laughs> or you can get mad at Patrick at Patrick Claybon. I think it's just your name, right? In any case, yes. wow, wow. Well. I'm not gonna Okay, so <laughs> we're we're out of the hot the hot take zone now. I mean, yeah, I le- like legitimately. Um it's it's hard to it's hard to look past like as much, as annoying as Aaron can be. Uh, he's, he's a spectacular football player and like towards the end of the season the the Bills just kind of fell off a little bit. Oh, they, they just did. And this I like is, I like It's, it's going to be absolute chaos in that division. I'll say that. <laughs> And I, I actually, I do find it, it's hard to rank the teams. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sit on my ranking. No, <laughs> my podcast. no, do it. Put the bills at three uh, and we'll just make I'm it not. AFC West from last year. And it's like, oh, all these teams, I know. like all these quarterbacks. Uh, and then the best team from the year before wins the but Super Bowl. But that makes so. the Broncos, the Jets, like if the analogy holds, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not turning on Buffalo the way you are. Um, <laughs> Wait, I'm okay. turning on. I, I do want to talk about uh, this Bad team guy. because they were very, very active. We don't talk about them a lot. And I find their moves very interesting in aggregate 
That is the Atlanta Falcons, a uh, team who was very quick to tell us they're not interested, not even interested in picking up the phone and calling Lamar Jackson. Boo. Ridiculous. But, however, let's just cast that aside. So they went kind of crazy in free agency. Um, they brought back a bunch of their guys. Lindstrom, who's amazing. Caleb McGarry, coming off his best year. Right tackle. Uh, they trade for Jonu Smith. Um, they bring in Taylor Heineke. Okay. They spend a lot of money on David Onyemata and Jesse Bates. And they also bring in from the Saints, Caden Ellis. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, I want to talk about it in aggregate first. Okay. Maybe we can talk about, you know, if this feels like a team that thinks they can compete now, which leads me to believe they must have some confidence in Desmond Ritter because they have shown, I, you know, I, you bring in Taylor Heineke, I, you know, whatever, but like, they have not been linked to any of the big free agent quarterbacks or trades or whatever. Ritter played, I thought, better as the year went on last season. Nobody was really watching the Falcons anymore. But, like, do, do you think that's an incorrect interpretation of the fact that they were so active? Uh, it's either that or it's the biggest smokescreen uh, for sending an offer sheet to Lamar in the history of the world. Um, kind of manifest it, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. I, I will. I'm going to do it for every single team. You know, you, you know that. And this would be such. A, I mean, it just made so much sense. That's why yeah. everybody thought the Falcons were the one. But you, you saw the improvement as the as the season went on. Um, we we had the Kyle Pitts situation where he had uh, the most uncatchable targets. I, I think since we've been charting those that, that came from Marcus Mariota, um, Johnu Smith and Arthur Smith have been reunited. Uh, that's that's something Love to believe things. in. It's like. He was he was Arthur's Cordero before Cordero, and and now yeah. they're back together and, and can kind of see how much uh, Janu still has left in the tank. I, I think, and again, it's always good when teams are trying. Uh, they take the circumstances that they have and they get as many resources to win uh, in this particular season. And it's good to see. Um, honestly, all the teams in the NFC South uh, start to do that, and the, these moves indicate that um, because they they are able to. Uh, bring in Anyamata across the division, and you know, paid him the, a lot. Yeah, and and they've been able to see him. And clearly, Terry Fontenot has been, has been able to to see yeah. what he's he's been able to do. Uh, and so, like, you, you get him and Grady uh, in the middle, and and there's some there's some pieces that we can really start to feel good about the Falcons on both sides of the ball um, for the the 2023 Desmond Ritters. It, it just remains to be seen for the rest of us to to kind of start believing in it. Yeah, the defense has been an issue with this team really ever since the Super Bowl run, um, and, and that group kind of fell apart. And they've been able to, you know, they've picked up on some talent here and there. AJ Terrell, they draft a couple safeties. Clearly, they didn't feel like they were done at the position because they go out and sign Jesse Bates, who's the best safety available to a pretty uh, four years, sixty-four million. Uh, so it's about 16 per year. That's kind of near the top of the safety market, but not at the top. It feels reasonable for a player who's been good to great, was in Cincinnati on a tag last year, who's versatile. They have a new defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen, coming from the Saints. So we'll see if the defense looks different. Um, but yeah, it's. I guess the thing I do like about this is, again, assuming that they're set on Ritter or... Um, Bringing in Jonu Smith, yeah, we can kind of laugh about like Arthur Smith just trying to recreate the Titans, but the man has a vision. Yeah, like, he has 
such a distinct offense. And Johnu, like the Patriots never really figured out the right way to use him the way he was in Tennessee. Arthur's offense using him as that move tight end, freeing up Kyle Pitts to basically be a wide receiver. Drake London, I mean, God, that's that's they are the get off the bus team. But yeah, um it's a basketball team. You see the vision for the offense. Uh so, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, it, it's just interesting, I guess. I, I like that they're trying. I like that they brought in some players that I think are good players. Um, we'll see, as far as Ritter goes, how that how that actually plays out. Still time. Still time to – how long does it take to make an offer sheet, right? You just Can write you imagine Lamar Jackson in an Arthur Smith offense with Drake London, Jonu Smith, and Kyle Pitts and that run-blocking offensive line? Yeah. And um, the backs, Patterson, just, Algier. Just have guys just go stand in different parts of the field. That, the bar is very low for what I want, Mina. I want receivers in patterns, not running into each other, uh, not crossing each other, not being on top of each it, other. That's it. That's all I want. It literally would be like the Ravens offense, but better. You know what I mean? Like the <laughs> In terms of like the skill players yeah. and... So the the offensive line was so good at run blocking last year. Now imagine Lamar Jackson's back yeah. there. They're the team where I'm just like, yeah. you're not even gonna call. It's a it's a smokescreen, Mina. It's a smokescreen. I'm speaking it into. I'd love existence. to be wrong, as a fan of football. Okay, um, let's wrap with this team. The Denver Broncos were also very active. Uh, Sean Payton goes out. Brings in Mike McGlinchey on a huge contract. Ben Powers, uh, an offensive line that was like one of the worst in the league last year. Obviously had some injuries. They also bring in Chris Manhurts, who's basically <laughs> de facto offensive lineman, also the best named blocking tight end in sure. football. Um, and then they, they 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 give Zach Allen a big contract, three years, $48 million, which is interesting because they let Draymond Jones, who's kind of similar to Zach Allen, walk. Um, so... You know, the Allen thing makes sense. You know, they need interior pass rush or whatever. But what do you make of them, like, going all in on their offensive line that way? I think it, they're able to acknowledge, right, that there were – it wasn't all just Russ. Uh, there were significant problems, not just in the way that the offense was constructed and how they went about uh, how they went about installing the offense and the way that everything happened, um, yeah. that there were some personnel issues um, that – they can address like right now. They go ahead and do that, and the the Walton Pinner family is not hurting financially, nor will they ever probably, thanks to our particular mode of production. And so that's they spend, um, and I expect them to to not be done here. Uh, we could we could see some some restructures and, and pushing out, and I'm interested to see where they go. But it, in terms of getting the best team on the field, they're they're also doing that in Denver. And I, I think, like, because especially what we hear from former players and people who work with Sean Payton, like, yeah, th this may take some time. This may rub people some, the wrong way. But I, I think there's the beginnings here of a Broncos team that was clearly going to be better than the Broncos team that we thought was going to win the Super Bowl last year for some reason. Yeah. But, but they, I, they um, Football Outsiders dropped their adjusted games lost ranking, like, which is always worth looking at. It basically shows you which teams 
had the most impactful injuries last year. And the Broncos finished number one. And it kind of flew under the radar because I think LOL Russ and all the mm-hmm. LOL Nat Mayo Hackett and all that stuff. But, like, they were very injured on both sides yeah. of the football. Um, so I, they're going to be, like, better probably by default and also Peyton. I do think, um, you know, this is one of those moves in collective that do signal – something a philosophical approach which is this is an offense that's going to run the ball mike mcglinchy's mike mcglinchy's one of the better run blocking right tackles in football granted coming from san francisco um i think that they they want to and they know they have to run the ball well for a russell wilson offense to work you want it to look like kind of hilariously some of those earlier seattle offenses wide zone running game play action boot i mean you know, they, they, I, I think it's not it's not really about, like, let's take the ball out of Russ's hands. It's more like let's put him in better positions right. based on his skill set. Let's force defenses to respect the run and defend it so that those, you know, he, he still throws a really nice deep ball that that's available to him. Uh, and I think, you know, Peyton's going to be very, very smart about trying to maximize his skill set. And, and because of the LOL Russ uh, situations, like people are going to look at the screen game and act as though like Drew Brees didn't go to the Hall of Fame uh, running screens for Sean Payton. It, it's like the the laughter and the jokes are, are difficult to separate from the on field things, but yeah. like there is a quarterback there that you can win games with, and I think that Sean Payton is going to have a better opportunity to do that than Nathaniel Hackett did. Agree. All right, so we have some time to just go through some of the players not teams but some of the big player signings um let's start with the seahawks uh, so i kind of alluded to this this was unusual for seattle seattle patrick you've been covering this league a long time you know they don't do stuff in free agency certainly on the first few days they usually sit back and wait their fans go nuts and then they sign like a guard for like eight million dollars that no one's heard of or something so that's not what happened this year uh, they did sign the aforementioned Draymond Jones to a three-year, $51 million contract. Again, by their standards, very large. Um, what did you think about this signing for a CX defense that struggled last year to both get pressure and stop the run? I think I think it works perfectly. Um, especially, like, we, we just talked about the Broncos and, and the offer that goes to Zach Allen. It may have just been legitimate. It, it may have been that offer. Uh, yeah. that they had for him, like going, going back really over. Close, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's uh, just, you know, and of course, like the difference people are like, what's the difference? Well, the difference is like, this is their money. Uh, <laughs> and they, and Draymond earned this money, but like you watched, especially like the 49ers games down the stretch, it, there was clearly something missing. Um, and, and they, they have the ability to go out and address it um, short of, short of what Philadelphia was able to get. Uh, in the first round last year, it's like it's hard to address that particular position in the draft. So you you go out, you, you get a veteran, and you just make it work, plug and play, uh, get somebody in there that can stop the run. It's interesting too, Patrick, because yeah, like there aren't that many like young defensive tackles that kind of came into the league and like have dominated. But there are so many good veterans. I yeah. mean, there's the top end, which actually we'll talk about Javon Hargrave next, but. When you start like going down the list, like we just talked about Denver letting, um, or pardon me, Arizona letting Zach Allen walk, Denver letting Draymond Jones back and we walk. We think both those players are really good. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. 
I, almost all of the defensive tackles signed have been really good. As it, it feels like almost like a golden age for interior pass rusher in this league. Um, Draymond Jones, like all of our metrics, love him. Even the the, the simpler ones like pressures. Tackles for loss, all of that. He finishes really high. But, like, there's so many good defensive tackles right now. It's really – it does feel like a position where you're it, it, you're well-suited to sign someone in free agency and have it work out. And, and maybe it's one of those cyclical-type things where um, guys are in college and, and they know uh, rushing the passer is the way that you get on these radars. You, you drop weight. You run fast 40s. Yeah. But the, we're, we're constantly finding teams – still in a position like the Detroit Lions towards the end of the last season, the Seattle Seahawks towards the last season. Like, oh, yeah, you, you still need to be able to do this particular thing. Uh, of course, uh, being able to rush the passer is one thing, but if you if there's something that you cannot do, uh, if teams can le- legitimately run for 250 yards on you when they want to, um, you need to address that. And so thankfully, uh, there's still a market for these guys. Um, and Go sign them. Go get one. They're out there. You know, they're available. It, it feels. I think cyclical is right, and I think that also, by the way, explains like how this year there was like this weird run on linebackers in free agency. <laughs> yeah. But I do think, like, I actually had a lot of conversations at the combine with defensive coaches about this. They were like, "Dude, kids out of college cannot play linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. They will eventually, mm-hmm. but because of the complexity of the position, because of the way they're playing in college versus the pros, it's really freaking hard." And that's how you get, I mean, we talked about the Bears and mentioned David Long, but like Bobby Okereke, uh, Al Shire signed a big deal, Quincy Williams signed a deal that suddenly like looks pretty reasonable. Like these linebackers are getting paid this mm-hmm. offseason. And I do think that reflects um, what you just sort of the nature of the position right now. And there's a pretty good linebacker. I think he spent some time in Seattle. I don't know. Um, a reunion. Let's get they it. You need a linebacker. They need they need a linebacker very desperately. Um, okay, well, I, I, I did want I alluded to this, and I want to hit this signing uh, quickly. Javon Hargrave. I mean, this was the, the first like whoa <laughs> signing of free agency uh, for a couple of reasons. One, the money four years, eighty million dollars. That's actual top of the market type money. And the other was the fact that the San Francisco 49ers signed the best pass rushing defensive tackle in the draft, which feels a little like acknowledging a mistake. That's so you went negative. I was going to say like putting (laughs) fudge on a volcano cake. I don't know. It's (laughs) it's both, right? It is. You can very much connect this to them watching their defensive tackles get pushed around against the Philadelphia Eagles, who of course, John Hargrave, is coming from, but it also is adding. It, it is very it fu- kind of funny and interesting that they went all in on uh, a position group that is already a very very strong one for them, and that's a very very time. strong one. But it, it it it's hard to not think back to DeForest Buckner uh, and his departure and saying like, oh, you know, yeah, Javon Kinlaw's there. We'll we'll go for the draft and, and replace. And it just they they didn't get what they were looking for there. Um, and so to, to be able to yeah. see a player up close and personal in an NSC championship game where your quarterback's all melted, um, it's, it's a deal you go make. But I, I do think – and again, the, the roster construction and the circumstances of the cap are different. Yeah. But it, I, I think they, they're, they're thinking back and wishing they would have been able to keep DeForest at that time. In some ways, it makes a lot of sense. 
if you just really back away and you say, we have a coach who's so brilliant as an offensive play caller that whether it's Brock Purdy, whether it's Trey Lance, whether it's Sam Darnold, which is, he's going to start a game for them. This, you know, It's going to happen. We'll be fine. <laughs> like, imagine being so confident in your team that, like, you know, quarterback is the position that we can save money on and we can spend that money on the defensive line and get the best guy. Now, there's, there's, there's costs. They lost a few, a fair amount of players. You know, um, Emmanuel yeah. Mosley walked, Manhu and Ebicom, but Chris Kosarek will turn whatever I think edge washer they sign into the next great edge yeah. washer. Cleland Farrell, a chance for a reclamation project as well. Always. Yeah. Um, it is just funny. I don't know. They're, they're an interesting team, and the decision to double down there is interesting. And it is a product of the fact that they're not spending very much money at the quarterback position. But that's a decision. It's definitely, it's definitely an approach. That's that is Mina, unless of course they would like to send an offer sheet uh, to Lamar Jackson <laughs> here in the next couple. Of days. I love, I love all the pitches. <laughs> it's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, I don't know. Is anybody even going to call? It's going to happen. All right. Let's wrap, as always, Trust and five quick questions for <laughs> our guest. Four from me, one from Lenny. Okay. Patrick, question oh, number one. You, you've been joking about this all show about teams that should put in an offer for Lamar Jackson. Let me just ask you this as a fan of the man, his play. Where would you like to see him play quarterback? Pick a team. Uh, I, I would like to. I, I would like to see Lamar uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, this this has been my desire for some time. I, I know it's the desire of plenty of Falcons fans uh, that that I know. Uh, I that's why I'm holding on hope to the smokescreen theory. Uh, but it instantly gives Lamar the best receivers um, that he's played with, um, that, that, and there's still space for them to go get somebody else. Um, but but truly, just as a fan of the player, a fan of the person uh, and the man that he is, um, I, I just want the best offer. Just somebody send the offer sheet. And, and then Baltimore can have a chance to match, and in which case I would scream into the timeline and to every microphone that I have, why didn't you just make this offer in the first place? Um, but, but yeah, Atlanta would be the pick for me. Uh, question number two, I'm going to let you play Dream GM again. DeAndre Hopkins. Potential trade candidate talking about the lack of wide receivers for agency to draft. Where would you like to see DeAndre Hopkins play wide receiver? I would like to see New Hopkins where he would like to be clearly based on his offseason workouts and his social media postings, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, 
you you give uh, Dak a chance to play with. He already has a great separator in CD, a guy who can uh, make oh plays uh, after the catch. Uh, but to have Nuke, uh, you know, running the backside dig where it's like, oh yeah, mm. you know, I've reached the end of this progression. DeAndre Hopkins is over there. It's it, it would Crazy. be fun to see because. Especially with the YOLO ball edition of Dak that we got last year. Just just give him a guy that, that can get – yeah. That's what well, I, mean. I don't know if you heard, but Jerry Jones pointed out that when you pay your quarterback, you can't do much else. Uh, blame, well, poor, poor Jerry. We're going to have to worry about his pockets. He'll be fine. Uh, go, go trade for Newt. All right. Question number three. What's a TV show that you've enjoyed watching lately? I have gotten into The Expanse. Um, oh, I've heard just, about that. It's a science fiction just, show, right? Yeah, just a little bit um, because the – the disastrous uh, socio socio political circumstances on the real world aren't aren't dangerous enough for me. Um, I've decided to add a, another fictional universe uh, to to my. It's been multiple consumption. seasons. Yeah, yeah, and it's changed providers as well. Uh, but I think ev- everything's on everything's on Amazon now. So check it out. Uh, it's all on Amazon. My husband and I have an inside joke where, like, whenever someone tells us a, a joke or a, t- a TV show. Like it's probably on Peacock, and for some reason, even <laughs> though we subscribe to like all of them, we ref- like we're like we can't subscribe to Peacock. We have to hold out <laughs> on one of these, which is so stupid. Peacock's probably great. I don't know, but it's it's insulting how many. Like when you open your screen and you're like, oh, I'm paying yeah. more than I paid for cable now. Uh, something's got to give at a certain point. Uh, question four. This is I, I skipped over this player, so now I'm going to use a chance because this was actually a very big signing. The Chiefs. Go out and get get Jawan Taylor. This is actually one of the more surprising moves. Uh, four years, eighty million dollars, letting Orlando Brown, who I think was on NFL Live today, walk. Um, was this smart? I, I guess the important context here is that uh, they want him to play left tackle, and he has never played left tackle. I I I don't get it. I, I guess it's a positional value thing because you you so now between Wiley and Brown, you're you're telling me that like they're both going to be gone. Like after playing the 2022 yeah. Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl and having zero sacks, uh, it's confidence in your scheme, uh, confidence in your quarterback. Uh, these guys have earned the right to make whatever decision they want. I, it's confusing to me uh, because both of those guys were were very good. I think they're going to be very good players for somebody else. But I, hey, congratulations to Jawan Taylor. <laughs> but it's it's very confusing. It's just very, very. it's odd that they've done this twice now. The difference being that Orlando Brown actually had some experience playing left tackle in college. Mm-hmm. John Taylor has like never been a left tackle. I clearly they have it was, like a. It was the whole point of the trade for Orlando was just yeah. for the opportunity. He wanted uh, to, to do so. Prove, yeah, and he has done it professionally for two teams yeah. that made it to the playoffs. So I, I I don't know. I don't get it. They do seem to prioritize. Offensive line over all else in Kansas City. That's what that that Buck Super Bowl do to you. All right, as always, last question comes from Lenny. Um, okay. It's not really a question. He just wants you to repeat something after him. Okay. He sent this to me just now. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. My name is Patrick Claibon. My name is Patrick Claibon. I work for the NFL Network. I work for the NFL Network. The Buffalo Bills are going to finish third in the AFC East this year. The Buffalo Bills are going to finish third in the AFC East this year after Mina Kimes trapped me and told me <laughs> to give her a hot take. And here we are. You clearly believe it. Bills fans, at Patrick Claibon. Everyone else, it's good to be back. 